2: Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm back with so much rugby to talk about after all those barren weekends. This feels good. So uh, delighted to be Well, I'm in my TMO shipping container, uh, live to the Rugby Dungeon where JB is uh, right now.
1: Hello. It sounds like you're um, doing one of those charity broadcasts, you know, like children in (laughs) need. And over over in the studio... (laughs) <laughs>
2: <laughs> and um, let's go live to our on-the-ground reporter from his TMO shipping container in Sale, leafy suburban Sale. It's Phil. Hello, hello, Tim. Hello. Right. Um, I, I, we've got so much to talk about on this podcast. But firstly, let me just say thank you very much for listening. If you ha- don't subscribe, that's uh, we don't ask anything of you. Uh, but subscribe and tell your mates about it. Uh, we are the rugby podcast that is there for you 52 weeks of the year, every Monday morning without fail, and some midweeks and some midweeks as well, mm. including this week. More on that in a little bit. Uh, in, but uh, one of our listeners, Peter Shaw, from Tampa in Florida, uh, just, I think, summed up the excitement that we've been having the last couple of weeks. He, he just tweeted to say, boys, I am so happy the Gallagher Premiership is back. My favourite players to watch, Sinclair, Itoji, Thacker, Harrison, Paledry. that is all. Peace, love, and let the boys play. The Gallagher Premiership is, is worldwide. This podcast is as well, and thank you for joining us on it. Uh, I, I just want to start with, with haircuts. Uh, we've just just we got to mention the lids on show in the Gallagher Premiership. But some
3: some ridiculous ones, for, for yeah. lots of different reasons as well. Um, yeah. like Duncan Weir is perhaps the most ridiculous, because he's done nothing with it, and it somehow looks like that.
1: Yeah. Now, just on Duncan Weir, now I, I, I don't wish to be unkind in any... I, know, I, I don't wish to this sound unkind but he's an unusual shaped person anyway <laughs> <laughs> um i actually like his hair i think his hair gives him a little bit more character i i, I think it looks good
2: the booth <laughs> well he's doing it yeah. for charity raising money for a children's hospice the acorns children's hospice which is uh close to the hearts of many well, like many of the worcester guys have done some fundraising who was the chap who did the swim
1: oh yeah what, what kind of swim because there's uh, one He swam. He swam. He
2: swam for 14 hours across the channel.
1: Yeah, not around the UK. Because that's mental as well.
2: I think I might take more than 14 hours. (laughs) Yeah, might. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, Duncan Weir's raising money for that charity, so it's good. But some others. Tom Curry's lid we mentioned briefly last week. That is majestic.
1: With the
3: headband.
2: Yeah. Reese Priestland's gone heavy on the sun in.
1: Yeah. Like that. I don't like that one bit because Reese Priestland is like an older statesman now. Same with John o. Ross. It makes, makes me feel... Do you know when, when you're a child and your mother gets like her haircut really short and it really disturbs you for a, a period of time? Well, I feel the same way about Rhys Priestland and John o. Ross dying their hair. They're meant to be adults. They're meant to be grown men, the elder statesmen of rugby.
2: John o. Ross's it's, it's, is totally peroxide look, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's really shaking me. It's shaking me to, to my core.
3: <laughs> um, opposite Duncan Weir was uh, Le Bourgeois. Was mm. Something very simple... Well, Maybe not quite as blonde, but certainly blonde tips across a... a he, he's, he's always had a big bouffant anyway. Yeah, I haven't,
2: see, I haven't seen Fro- Frosted Tips since EnSync uh, um, in, <laughs> in, in the 1990s.
1: Well, funny enough, I saw Frosted Tips last night in an episode of, of Selling Sunset, which I'm now re-watching. And uh, that exact gag was made, that that guy wanted to be in Sync. So, so, so there you go. Frosted <laughs> Tips, how, Selling Sunset.
2: How, did you, how are you getting on with, uh, speaking of TV shows, how are you getting on with Succession?
1: loving it got to episode 10 does it end on episode 10 i don't i can't remember
2: season Season two season one you'd you'd know if it was the ending
1: would i okay yeah yeah it just uh i'll I'll tell you about it later but yeah it's good very very good
2: cool dark update phil you still sticking with it yes
3: albeit i'm a notoriously slow tv watcher um, especially when it's me and Claire uh, trying to watch something together. We just never seem to get the time to watch more oh, than you about
2: You need a little bit uh, of time for that show to cogitate minutes. in your mind, I think. It's no bad it's, thing.
3: It's, I, I love it. It's brilliant. But I'm I'm still after... I'm probably a month in now. I'm, no, maybe three weeks in and I'm on episode six of the first season. Okay, mm, that's good. So that, that's, that's how slowly I watch things. Uh,
2: back to hair. Some bad news. Jack Goodhue has lost the mullet. Dis- bye, bye. Yeah.
3: It's a terrible, terrible decision, that.
2: But from what I can gather, uh, the, the barber in New Zealand picked up all their, their hair trimmings on the floor, put them in an envelope, sent them to Steph Evans.
3: Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's got one now.
3: So the um, Goodhue mullet, am I right in thinking? There was one picture I saw where it looked like, yeah, I'm looking at it now. It looks like there is a little uh, residual sh- strand of mullet if that makes sense. Um, let me see if I can show you this. F- by the... not,
2: not like a rat's tail, like when, when we'll Tuolangi we'll... had that one, which I think is a, a cultural thing, isn't it? Oh, hello. A bit, a bit like a, a rat tail type strand on one side. Wow. Like a
3: stingray almost. A bit like a stingray, yeah. yeah. So it's like a, a short back and sides, except for they've left a tiny residue of mullet. Like, oh. the,
2: like, like, the, like the, an inverse Jonah Lomu with the tiny little bit at the front. <laughs> Good he's got a tiny little bit at the back. <laughs>
3: uh, disappointing, though. Yeah, look, look look at someone who did that um, a few years ago and has gone from strength to strength, like um, Luke Cowan Dickey. Mm. Yeah. He's playing some really good
1: rugby at the moment. Yeah.
2: Mullet hyphen Dickey minus the mullet is some beast, isn't
1: he? Yeah. Uh, Cowan Dickey now, the odds on favourite for the England 2 shirt. It is his shirt, right?
2: I, I kind of think... It needs well on form. I think it needs to be. Although Jamie, the two of them have been have been doing brilliantly as a as an A and B. You know, mm. Cowan Dicky for twenty minutes off the off the bench always makes an impact. Jamie Can George I, rock solid with his set piece.
3: Yeah, I still like that combo as well. Jamie George to start and uh, Mulhijford Dicky to finish because he is. If you're looking at uh, finishers or game changers or whatever you want to call them, whatever incredible name you want to call them hyphen Dicky does seem to fit that bill a bit better, and I've just uh, uh, another chap who I I really rate who is he's in the running for the um, England two shirt, albeit he's definitely in in third place um, is uh, Tom Dunn. Mm. Tom Dunn play he's playing some really nice rugby. He's he's explosive and strong, and he's scoring tries as well in that Bath team.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm disappointed to see uh, that Puke Cow and Dickie didn't continue his, <laughs> his try celebration. I thought that was going to become a regular but unfortunately not.
3: No, one-off special that.
2: Uh, and you just mentioned Tom uh, Dunn but the rest in the rest of that Bath team uh, we'll talk about them in a bit I'm sure. They are trying to it looks like Bath are trying to emulate Exeter in so many ways the, the drive-in mall, the power game and the haircuts. Mm. Some of those yeah. haircuts. It's. Uh, I think it actually might make it might make a, a, a definite difference. There are some shocking lids, amazing <coughs> lids, in that Bath team, and I think it's only gonna bode well for them.
3: It's, it's, yeah. If well, if it, like with Exeter, if the um, awfulness of the haircuts across the team correlates with their success, perhaps it causes their success. So mm. maybe Bath are doing the right thing.
2: Yeah, I think you might be right. So before we get into the actual uh, rugby, um, Phil, Premiership Rugby announced the rules on how clubs can use their players over this little sprint to the finish of the, the restarted Gallagher Premiership.
3: Yeah, so in between game weeks one and two, or sorry, the restart game weeks one and two, so game weeks 14 and 15, um, Premiership Rugby has decided to announce that um, some player welfare initiatives that I, th- I think has been... Um, certainly discussed or agreed with the RPA and the clubs. And this is, so no player can, can play more than 180 minutes per week, um, which, so that is more than two games, if, if you'll notice. So there are, um, well, certainly periods where you're going to be playing three games a week, like this week coming up. Yeah. We've had the weekend games, we've got a Tuesday-Wednesday fixture, and then we've got weekend games again. So in that period, you can only play uh, only. Play two full games and a further twenty-minute involvement in, in that one week. Um, you can't start more than three in a week, and you can't play more than six. Uh, you, sorry, out of seven you can't games. start
2: three in a week. Not start more than three.
3: Sorry, yes, you can't start three in a week. Yeah. Not not more than three. So you can't start three games in a week, uh, and you can't play more than six out of seven games in this first period, which is so the seven games between August and uh the september 13th of september i think it is um and above all of that as well the england players get two weeks mandatory rest after the eight nations um the the tournament that's going to happen in november because the premiership rugby basically starts straight after that we go from uh premiership rugby to champions cup rugby to internationals and then premiership rugby starts again in a eight week period the problem with these rules
1: is it implies that it actually knows what's dangerous and what's not, as if you know two games plus twenty minutes of rugby is somehow safe, and two games and nineteen minutes of rugby is not safe. And there are lads who will not be able to shoulder that kind of playing time, and there are lads that will be able to shoulder that uh, that burden of playing time. And I think the people who are most, in, well, in the best position to make that call are probably the directors of rugby, the conditioning staff, and, and the players. And judging by how Premier Rugby behave and you know handle most tasks, I don't think I would trust them with anything, let alone this. So um, yeah, I would just let the clubs get on with it. That said, uh, well, actually, I will leave it there because I do have a, a slightly different side of it too. Well, I,
2: I, I would just echo exactly what you said. Clubs know these players they know what their bodies are capable of. Also, no two games are the same. Well, I'm sorry, if you, you can't, it's apples and oranges sometimes, and that Bath team against Leicester at the weekend, they would not, they will not today be feeling the same as they will feel after playing Exeter. Yeah, exactly. And their full team. So you, you can't compare it. And sometimes the, the, the rain is coming in sideways and a winger just stands out on the wing and doesn't actually touch the ball the whole game. It's the best of intentions. But, just you do what you do well. There's plenty of things Premiership Rugby can do better.
1: Uh, what do Premier Rugby do well? I'd be fascinated to find out. Uh, it's, um, a great
2: league. it's a great league, JB.
1: It is a great league. It is a great league. I think that's got more to do with the owners and the teams rather than bloody Premier Rugby. Anyway. Um,
3: Phil, what do you think? I, I, I'm broadly with you. Well, I am with you. Um, the best place, people, exactly as you both said, is the players and it's the coaches and it's the directors of rugby. If things were slightly different, um, and I, I, I do know this is the case at other levels of rugby, but um, particularly at the highest level, if things were slightly different in the league and it was a more competitive league, um, right across, not just um, really the top half, which is heating up nicely, and we'll we'll come on to that in a little bit. But um, I think you would risk players and directors of rugby being incentivized to play when they're not 100% because that I, I know that all oh, that it happens anyway not just necessarily this time but then it, when you have got three games in a week instead of two games in a week and you've got players incentivized to play every single minute of every single game and directors of rugby incentivized to do that i can kind of i can definitely see where the the reasoning that gets you up to this point is because sometimes the directors of rugby and the players will do harm to themselves because they, they just want to win. They, they simply want to win.
1: A, yeah, it's like a bodybuilder overtraining or something. It's just kind of something... They, they don't necessarily know when to stop. Exactly.
3: Uh, I mean, play, players having painkilling injections to keep playing, like that it's happened before, it will happen again. It's not ideal. And no. when you've got three games a week rather than two games a week, it would ex- exacerbate already bad problems.
1: But going back to a historic podcast we mentioned, playing on tilt, mm. you know, a club has lost its opener if it's lost its second game and now the third game is looming and they're thinking we need to get a win because the game after that is going to be absolutely nails there is a danger that you kind of just get yourself in a bigger hole by playing your first team three four times and it's kind of like um, uh, diminishing returns then and I think there, there could well be a situation where a team is desperate for a win I mean let's I'll give you an example, Sale Sharks now now, our prefaces were saying, as player welfare goes, sales Sharks are right up there. Look, look, look at their injury record. But if you had someone less scrupulous in, in charge, say, you would um, you would say now you need to get your first fifteen on the field against Wasps this this week, regardless of the health consequences, because because we need to win. Because the week after that is Bristol.
3: Yeah, and I can I can definitely see that that happening. Now, if it was if there was relegation and there was um the a full 12 team league, a competitive league as we've seen in previous years, like like last year when Newcastle got relegated and every position was competitive, I could see that being more serious. As it is with it it's effectively two leagues now, it's looking like the top six are performing well and and good all-round teams. The bottom six on their day, they can beat them, but they're going to rotate players. They're going to rest players, exactly as you've seen with Leicester, as you've seen with with Worcester already. Um, so I think I think there's going to be enough rest and enough opportunity to rotate built into the fixture schedule, if that makes
2: sense. On the subject of injuries, didn't want to get off that because on player welfare, it's probably it's the perfect moment to mention that Jack Jack Clifford is 27 years of age and had to retire. Re-
1: yeah, a real so shame. a
2: reminder of how brutal rugby can be.
1: Yeah. He'll- Join my imaginary back row of incredible players. Well, not even Forrester. Uh, yeah, Forrester, Reese, Clifford now. As uh, so it just shows. Just shows. It's pretty
2: tidy back row, that. If Clifford, t- if Clifford wouldn't mind wearing six, that is.
1: Clifford would have to wear six, yeah. Forrester is obviously in the eight shirt. And uh, Tom Reese, I didn't mean, Tom Reese was so good. So, so good. Yeah.
3: That, it, I, it, it's such a shame. But it, it does show, and we're talking about player welfare, it does show the importance of player welfare. And it's, a, it's another example that um, directors would be, and players themselves will be acutely aware of going into this period because he's a supremely talented player. He won under20s uh, championship with England in 2013. He had 10 England caps of which England won every single one of them, the, most, the England player with the most caps and 100 percent winning record. Is that right? Yes yeah, yeah. Um, good looking, good looking rooster as well. Good looking chap, good all ra- such a good like, all round athletic ability. He was quick, he was big, he was strong, good hands. Um, and he's been lost to the game at 27.
1: Yeah, so I'll, you- I'll just share a quick story. Um, I did a three hour podcast on Wednesday, uh, for the Macclesfield Rugby Club uh, podcast. I might three out.
2: hours, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah cut it down into well, it was awesome, it was awesome because we got to talk about like local rugby and you know things which I really, really like, which is lower level rugby and northwest rugby I mean awesome, three hours of that you'd love it phil but, <laughs> uh, there's a good there's a good handful of our listeners that would really, really enjoy it <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is because uh, I think I think Frank uh, uh, Frankie, who is captain of Macersfield and also on the podcast, was saying that they played against Jack Clifford, and I can't remember if it was with Loughborough University or if it was with Mackosfield. And just said he uh, Jack Clifford was absolutely awesome mm. uh, when he was at, when he was at Isha, burn, burning the out, uh, burning around the outside of the thirteen.
2: <laughs> uh, and, and just quickly as well, before we get into the rugby, Steve Diamond. Has called scrums boring. A hooker himself in his day, um, and uh, he, he's not happy with. He and this is becoming a more and more of a talking point. The commentary teams are, are mentioning it more and more. Fans are mentioning it more. and more I've mentioned it, many well, uh, me, me and Phil particularly have mentioned it many times before. The amount of time it takes to reset scrums, and I think it's having a tangible effect on the quality of the product that we're watching. And it's starting to become more and more obvious.
1: There's a cracking tweet this week. Uh from I want to say Simon right Ra- uh right Ra- I can't say his name no. Simon Raul Louie. Raul
2: Louie. Yeah, Ra- former Fiji Fiji captain I believe.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. A guy a, a guy who knows a thing or two about uh forward play. And he tweets this. I love scrums, I love resets, I love cauliflower ears, I love front rows discussing scrums like they're cracking the Da Vinci code. I love ga- um I love backs getting getting frostbite on uh, on, on a winter 's night, I love the fact that short, stumpy blokes can be the highest paid player on a team. I love scrums, and that perfectly sums up exactly how i feel
3: so i I also love scrums I, I love the battle I love the competitive edge. I love seeing props get won over on their opposite man, like actually get under them, drive them back, and really, as pop, you pop say up the hooker me, oh, pop up the hooker, like bully their opposition. I love all that. I just don't want to have to wait for two minutes every single time it happens. I want to get on with it. I want to get on with that so I can enjoy everything else I love about the game.
1: Problem is, there's no way to officiate it. So if you say, oh, well, if you're not that in two minutes, we'll go for a free kick. You'll know, you know teams are going you know, are, are to take advantage.
2: Well, they'll call a scrum, but no you can you can stop it. It's the same with the caterpillar rucks and um, you know taking forever to box kick if the referees and it's only it's only happened once that I've seen where a referees enforced the five second law um but you can there are there is a sanction there in the rule book to sort that out if referees chose to, and you could have a a rule that says. Uh, it could be at the referee's discretion, but you have to show some urgency in forming a scrum. And the referee it could be a short arm penalty free kick, which, as you say, it may just be the team goes, we'll have a scrum please, sir. But that, if it's repeatedly done, you can extend it to a full penalty. And if that were to happen, teams would very, very quickly get a move on.
1: Unless it's nailed down for the refs and they've got a guide, guideline and some sort of flow chart or, or, or whatnot, uh, they're a little bit hesitant to actually do it.
2: What was the ball in play time, Phil? There was some. Was there some stat on that? In the, was it the sale game?
3: Uh, I saw some last week. I've not seen any from this week, um, and it was. Uh, I can't remember the exact timing, but it's around the thirty-minute mark for most of the games in terms of actual ball in play, because of the amount of time that's eaten up by um, injuries and stoppages leading up to lineouts and everything else. Mm. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying that should be eighty minutes. That figure. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just, the scrums is the one where it's most obvious to me that uh, and it's particularly exaggerated where you have uh, two reset scrums or three reset scrums and each one of them takes one and a half to two minutes and you're, you're looking at the well, clock and eight minutes has gone and you've still not actually played any meaningful rugby in that period.
1: I've got to remember as well, a lot of this is a monster of rugby's own making. Because just wind back the clock to the you know, 1990s or 1980s, and it takes approximately 10 seconds. I mean, there are people sprinting to scrums, bind, 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 in, go. It is, it is unbelievable. Yeah. It we weren't particularly safe. So the further you go on the, like the safety routes, the harder it is. A lot of referees will say to you when you're about to go going for a scrummage, hey, look, if you don't feel safe, say something and we'll reset. So, if, you know, if I don't feel in, in any way exactly comfortable, I'll just stand up. I'll just go on and reset. And I guess the, like the premiership players will be exactly the same because if you say to a ref, ref, I'm, I'm not comfortable, and then you go in, I mean, it's, one, I mean, it's obviously awful if I break, um, break my neck. But it's even worse if, it, if you're on national TV and a top athlete who is also an expert at scrimmaging says to you, ref, I'm not comfortable, and then goes ahead and breaks his neck. And on that
3: yeah, that's you've probably highlighted the biggest challenge. Yeah, so it's not it's not the, the refs enforcement; it's the safety factor. If something goes wrong when you're trying to hurry players, that is in, in itself a potential lawsuit.
1: Exactly. Just think about just think about the bear trap that that this is setting. Um, knocked to the head, stumbles, you know, gets gets over to scrum, wasn't picked up, uh, and because of concussion, didn't feel right. We ignored it. We hurried him up. Well, the scrum is so regulated now that uh, it's such a unique thing that props do. Like, like, you know, not to harp on to back in the day because I don't actually, you know, I do not want to go back there. But the props didn't actually look that massive. Now they are unbelievable. They are just uh, unique human beings. <laughs> this this situation with the scrums only
2: makes that more likely to be a problem because you can be massive because you get ten minutes of doing nothing in an eighty-minute match.
1: I think the best thing for everyone to do is just ignore it. <laughs> ignore it, not a problem. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, I, I suppose it depends. <laughs> I suppose it depends. Do you want rugby to serve the, only the people that already love it and are sold yeah. on it, or do you want? Yeah. Yes, I knew. you. <laughs> or, or do you want it to appeal to people that aren't already massive rugby fans? And if I you don't. want, the, if you want the latter, you're going to have to do something about it because the spectacle is. I mean, if, if even Steve Diamond, with a massive pack and a former hooker, is saying scrums are boring, we have a problem.
1: Yeah. Something going on there. I don't, I don't, he, he, <laughs> playing some sort of 3D chess there. He doesn't mean he that. Gary doesn't mean that. I, <laughs> <doesn't mean> <laughs>
3: I, I, I kind of did think that when I watched that. He's, he's been doing a bit of press recently, and yeah. it, does, it does appear like he's going on a bit of a charm offensive. I don't I don't yeah. know what his goal is maybe it's to build a, an enormous horrendous uh, stadium that should definitely well, not happen round the well, corner from my house
1: incredible community forging stadium which will bring nothing but benefits to the good working men and women uh, men and women of sale regardless <laughs> of what um, nimby might think thank you Phil
3: it will destroy wildlife it will destroy there wildlife, wildlife sale the, what, the wildlife everywhere it will destroy children's dreams
1: the only thing running wild or on sale is you, <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, and you're just worried you won't be able to run quite as wild, quite as quickly when you're trying to get home on a Friday night.
3: Exactly, exactly Tim.
2: Right, well, go on then, Phil. Um, what, what, who would you like to talk about first in terms of the actual rugby on the field? Then, because um, there were some cracking matches and there were some less cracking matches.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's some some very good performances. And some less good performances. Um, maybe so JB was gonna go on to Wasps. Um, so I'll I'll leave that for him to cover um the key points in that game. Maybe the best performance from, from what I saw was the first 30 minutes of Bristol against Gloucester. So Bristol away to Gloucester where they've not won for something like 14 years. And within no. 30 yeah, with because they've not been in the league for, for half of those 14 years. Yeah. Um but within 30 minutes, they had um, the bonus point try. Point try. Radra, Randrandra had scored the bonus point try after 29 minutes. And the game did calm down a bit after that. But that was a, a sensational performance, in, particularly in that opening section from Bristol.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bristol were good. I I have a feeling Radrada Radra is still warming up. I don't... I, people are going to say he was brilliant, and he was very good. He was very good, particularly in you know, in the highlights that he's in. I just think that there's going to be two or three more levels to this guy.
3: I think he probably does have more levels, and I would for everything well that he did. And he was, I mean, going forward, he was unplayable. He did meet, um, have a couple of misreads in defence, uh, most obviously for Chris Harris's try, the um, the little 12 trees pop and oh, yeah. Radranda had already jumped wanting to nail Cipriani and just totally left his opposite man, um, Harris. So you can caveat tiny bits like that, but that's he's playing in a new team, slightly new defensive system um, and you've got to watch out for Danny Cipriani in your own 22, so you can kind of forgive that but going forward, he
1: is just yeah. incredible. Uh, he also knocked the ball on three times. I think at least twice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he assisted two tries, scored one, but the the little, little, short arm under the arm offload for the I forget He's who scored. scored the try now. Purdy. Yeah, Purdy. Uh, that I, was just immense.
1: I thought Chris Harris did, went well against him, and I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of worried for the guy. Who comes across him when he finally hits his straps because I think it's going to be brutal.
3: Well, if like, look at the teams that um, Leicester and Worcester put out this weekend and like the centres that probably we've never heard of, <laughs> um, academy centres. If you get a centre pairing like that or a backline like that coming up against, and Bristol have got their strongest team or close to strongest team with Radrada and Piet and Morahan it's going to be... Brutal? Like, it could be a cricket score. It will, yeah, it'll be brutal. And oh, yeah, I wouldn't fancy that.
1: I feel that Gloucester could have won this. Uh, their line-out uh, wasn't particularly great. There were t- far too many errors from Joe Simpson. I mean, he played well in patches, but he was knocking on the ball at the base of scrums. Uh, interesting, um, from a Bristol point of view, I thought for the first time... Basically, ever they showed up Lewis Rees Summit to be a a little bit to to be a little bit green. I thought that was quite um uh, playing
2: out of position in his defense, playing at fullback.
1: Uh, I thought he's on on the wing. No,
3: he he played 15 with Thorley and May on the wings, uh, but um, yeah, it's I mean, they did say in comms before the game or early on in the game that that's where they that's where Gloucester see him as a long term potential.
1: I don't, I mean, if. If they do, there's a lot of work uh, that needs to go in because you do not want him under pressure kicking a ball. He just doesn't... See, that seems to be his biggest weakness. Well, m-
2: maybe they see him there because they've got Oli Thorley and they signed Johnny May.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah so you yeah. kind of have to. I'll
3: tell you what, with Louis <laughs> rees Zamet. Go on, go, on. go on. Um, In that second half, um, Tipriani kicks a ball through from his own 22 kicks it really deep. I think it was a turnover. He kicks it really deep and there's there's no Bristol players anywhere near it. And it's re Summit. It's Alapeti Leua. And it's Johnny May behind re Summit. And re Summit just accelerates away from everyone. everyone including Johnny May look, looking like Johnny May is going full tilt. It was... And he, he's... Within 50 yards, he's five yards ahead of Johnny May. Five, 10 yards ahead of him. He... He looked absolutely lightning. Unfortunately, that was the only time in the whole game that I saw that he actually got to use his pace. He, he wasn't. He, he just didn't get brought into the game enough. And no, I think,
2: I, I think for the noises out of Bristol, you saying that Gloucester could have won it. The noises out of Bristol were they just let their foot off the gas? And I think there's an element of um, the same with Bath. The game was done and dusted against Leicester. I think the game was done and dusted for Bristol, and they eased off. They made all what? their. They made all their replacements. All their. Quote, system players came on.
1: Let's just talk about Varney. He looks absolute dynamite.
2: He, he
3: looked electric when he came on, didn't he?
1: <laughs> if Gloucester were going to win this game, and I I'd t- I t- I
3: totally agree with your assessment that Bristol eased off, but if they were, it was when uh, Varney came on the pitch and was just his pace, his acceleration. Mm-hmm. He reminded me a bit of um, a young that- Rob Bur- Of who? Rob Burrows. Oh, I was going to say
1: Ben Velocot. Uh,
3: well, Ben Velicott of the players playing right now, yes. Um, but no, he reminded me, he, he looked, it's the first and only time I've seen Varney that I can remember. But yeah, just his acceleration, that turn of pace and that low running style.
2: Oh, did you, sp- speaking of um, scrum halves that just were absolutely rapid, did you see uh, Tate, was it, for, the, or was it the Reds? Unbelievable try. Just uh, incredible try. It's was worth checking out. I think his name's Tate.
3: I'll have, I'll look
2: out for that because I've not
3: caught up with uh, Super Rugby AU yet this week. Likewise. Oh, well,
2: well, James O'Connor has been um, like he's he's gone very very spiritual.
3: Like his, <laughs> no. bre-
2: his little breathing. <laughs> 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 he's gone even he's gone even bigger on that. Like he uh, he posted. I noticed this. He, he was on Instagram, and uh, yeah, the Reds played against the Western Force, and James O'Connor put a picture of himself up. He's playing very well at fly half. Uh, He said, I just want to send some energy the way of Western Force after Friday's game. It was a solid victory for us and I couldn't be prouder of my brothers. But I recognise this Super Rugby AU competition has been so successful because of the competition. For the Western Force to put such a competitive team together at short notice is honourable and deserves mention. So he's sending energy to Western Force.
1: Look, I mean, I am uh, massively critical of all this new age spirituality, the, you know, life coaching, gurus, all the rest of it. I think it's all absolute nonsense. But given the choice of my highly paid number 10 being into that or being into till <laughs> three in the morning, I think I'll take it.
2: So <laughs> <a> fair point.
1: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I, you know, for a young man with loads of money and as good looking as he is and all the rest of it, uh, yeah, I think actually uh, the the Reds the Reds have got a pretty good deal there. It's fine. In fact, in, just just encourage it. Encourage I, it well,
2: up. I think he could well be Australia's starting fly half when they start playing Test rugby again under Dave Rennie because he is playing very well. I'll we'll give him that.
1: Well, yeah.
3: Or Tomua could be the other one.
2: Hmm. And, and jump what? And, and let's jump to a different game via fly halves. Uh, there was a everything good about Wasps seems to be based around Jacob Umanga. I mean, that kid is special.
1: He's cool, isn't he? Yeah. Very...
2: yeah. He, he just uh, changed that game.
1: Thought sort of thought that as well, Tim. Right. So I watched the, I watched it on repeat and you know, you look at it and when Umanga comes on, he makes a great break, but actually all of their tries, when I thought back about it, they're all from good, solid forward work. That's, that's the, that's the only caveat that, that, um, that, that I'd put on that.
2: Yeah, but good, good solid forward work after a, a, their fly half put them in the right areas of the pitch. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I'm still amazed that um, they won this, uh, but the fact that they did win it means, I, you know, as I was alluding to earlier on in the podcast, I think Wasps are the biggest winners of the weekend because they went into this with a completely rotated team. And it isn't just a rotated team, okay? So when you think about rotations, you know, we obviously think of the most extreme version, and you, know, you change everyone. Well, I think in reality, what's going to happen is you rotate uh, you know, 30%, and then the next 30%, the next game, the next 30%. You know, you, you, you're kind of mixing and matching. Well, Wasps went pretty much completely differently. So not yeah. only have Wasps completely, completely rotated and are ready for, ready for sale, sale on Tuesday, they've effectively had two first games, and it's an absolute um, credit to the coaching team that the boys went out there and knew exactly what to do. And in this game, they weren't leading until about 60 minutes in. But they didn't panic. They did their drills. Uh, and it was a really, really good really good win. Wasps sh- Wasp and Wasps fans should be very, very happy.
3: I, I, I think they will be. And I think they will be particularly. So the Worcester Warriors were the better team for the first 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah, they, they scored two good tries. They looked totally on top. They looked comfortable, but then, as you said, Tim, Was came back into it, and they ended up winning the arm wrestle. And not they won it, and they got the bonus point on the eightieth minute with with the uh, Tom Cruise's try. So that is a very very good result for them. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a good weekend for Was, albeit it was two teams that were effectively, entirely second teams because Worcester also did the same. Worcester, Worcester totally rotated their squad as well. So, well done, Worcester. And if you look at the top half of the table now, of the six top teams, five of them won with bonus points. So, hmm. Exeter, Bristol, Wasps, Bath and Sale all got five point. Sorry. And Northampton. Bath, sorry, Bath and Northampton, not Sale. Bath and Northampton. Everyone besides Sale got five-point bonus-point wins. Uh, and Sale, on the other hand, at home, to, uh, with a full-strength squad, they came out with nothing uh, against Exeter, who got an away bonus-point win.
2: To build on that, of the two restart rounds so far, four teams have won both games, who are Exeter-Bristol-Wasps in first, second, third, and Bath in fifth. Bath. Yeah. There, there are some teams that have won one, lost one, or lost one and then won one. And there are four teams who've lost both. Leicester, Worcester, London Irish in 11th, 10th and 9th and then Sale in 4th as you say with their big guns out in both matches away to Quinns home to Exeter they're the big losers and Steve Diamond was very very honest after the game and said they've got a problem and um, they've got to learn what they're doing quickly now we we talked about um, James. we mentioned James O'Connor I'm not suggesting he's a solution and we mentioned, we mentioned Jacob Boomanger. but I do think, I do think, I think Rob is a really good player, but I think if you put George Ford or Owen Farrell, or even maybe, maybe a little bit Joe Simpson in that sales side straight away. Joe Simmons. Joe, Joe Simmons, Simmons, sorry. Joe Simmons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joe Simmons in that sales side, I think suddenly they go from being lightly top four to winners, potentially.
1: Wow. I mean, you've missed a fly half there. Um, aj thank you because that's obviously who should be starting obviously but uh, you know they like rob and you know so be it he's very good he's very good he's really good he's really really good um, it's hard it's hard to be positive if you're a Sale fan and uh, i you know from what i understand um, it's a, a pretty devastating loss this one the only uh, the only caveat i can uh, i can sorry the only um, Good thing I can think of about this is Sale did actually look like a top fourteen, and they are playing the best team in the league by probably a country mile. Uh, the Harlequins game, by contrast, was a complete disgrace. Uh, this uh, this uh, this one, uh, it's sort of allowable. They're playing um, Exeter, and the reason Exeter won is because they could match. I mean, I think Sale and Exeter were basically on as even till about sixty minutes in, at which mm. point. Exeter really started to uh, pull away because they can sustain that physicality because they're used to it for a lot longer. Um, you just had to look at what Sale were doing to Exeter's driving malls for the majority of the game and think, yeah, okay, this is this is two even teams. The pick and go game was getting massively, di- massively disrupted by Exeter. Uh, sorry, by Sale. Um, and also, uh, Tom Curry was out of this world good. Mm. Have they played all their cards too too early because they can't? You know they can't stay with the same 15 again surely or maybe they can
3: I don't think they can personally but I, I'm, I am interested in, and they do have a problem as in they're desperate for that next win they'll be targeting wasps as a as a winnable game but they've got to rotate otherwise you do risk you, you risk injuries you risk compounding yeah. niggles you risk compounding um, the men, the losing mentality the, as in you, you're Putting the, the your your best team out there and it's trying and trying and trying and it's not getting the results and that it it damages your confidence. So yeah. I, I, th- I think they have to freshen it up. Maybe not everyone. Maybe not wholesale changes like we saw with Wasps and Leicester and Worcester. But I think they've got to to change certain things and quite a lot of them as well. Um, just onto the game. I, um, you mentioned it, Jay, the um, the period of time, around 50, 60 minutes when Exeter turn the screw and they scored three tries in, in just over 10 minutes with the Jack Vermeulen, the Stuart Hogg, and then the Cowan Dickey quick-thinking tap-and-go and the Sale defence. And I think all of those, Sale, will be frustrated because they're all stoppable tries and little basic errors like the Cowan Dickey. It was just, he took a quick tap and he went for the line. And no one reacted quickly enough from sale and, and got off the line to stop him. Uh, the the hog try was a was a lovely, lovely move. Um, the driving mall, the little out the back to Ollie Woodburn coming round, which we know happens because it happened last week. We see it all the time. So a, a known X to move. And Manu, who's defending in the 13 channel with Sam James defending the 12 channel. Manu jumps in to, to smash I think it was Joe Simmons and because he jumps in and doesn't quite get it lovely little hands from Simmons there's this enormous gap in between Tuolagi and, and Marlon Yard that Woodburn just waltzes
1: through try assist
2: nah. is, is what you're saying Manu Tuolagi is Tino Aspria for Newcastle in, in that year when
1: they nearly won the title? Quite possibly I never see where he fits since this team do you know where, where I think he might fit in? Wing. On the uh, wing now Byron's injured Yeah I mean, that actually might be the thing. Uh, he's done it for England. Play him at six. Six, perfect. Perfect.
3: <laughs> I, I think, so there's two ways of looking at it. One might be the rigidity of Manu Tuolagi and the, the limitations. One might be the rigidity of the sale system that they've set up. Because hmm. if, you, if you can only play successfully when Sam James is playing and there's no like-for-like light light replacement for Sam James, then that's a limited system.
1: Who legitimately? Who is a top contender? Only has only has one playmaker.
3: Yeah, it's it's a fair point.
1: You know, you need a balanced backline, and yeah, maybe if you had a Cam Redpath still about, that might be an option. You know, you he, he
3: looked quite good, didn't he? He looked great playing yeah. twelve as well. That'd fit nicely with Manu. That'd
1: fit nicely with <laughs> Manu, wouldn't it? <laughs> Deal. ideal. Uh, this
3: this the so i I think it's maybe exposed a little bit of weakness in in a couple of directions, but it's also so for for sale, who were going great guns up to lockdown the the um signing of Tuolagi evidently was not without risk because you've disrupted um a winning team, a successful team and you're disrupting a pattern of playing and a way of playing that got you successful up to that point. Because of the potential of Manu.
2: And let's be clear, Manu was a massive part of the reason why Sale were better than
1: yeah, favourites to win
2: the league in the first half.
1: I guess the criticism of Manu and the danger of signing him was never he was going to play too much, was it? We well, have.
3: <laughs> Maybe Dimes is just thinking, I'm only going to get nine games out of him in the next 12 months, therefore I've got to get him in now.
2: And let's let's quit us quick. We should quickly spend a, just a little bit of time on Exeter, who were excellent and their power play. On one, one name I just want to mention, uh, Johnny Hill. he He's looking more and more like he could be the heir to George Cruz and maybe mm. even get ahead of Courtney Laws or other options in the second row, along with Marrow. He's he's looking that good.
1: He's a good player. He's a really, really good good, good player. Uh, I don't disagree with him. I think that there is a space in England for a young well, I say young up-and-comer that he's not that young, it's just that the others have been so dominant for so long, no one else has been able to emerge. But yeah, I, I think you're right, I think there is a space for someone else Him, it, he looks like he's in a shoot-up with Charlie Yules for that kind of role.
3: Mm. And Eddie does seem to prefer Ewells, mm. Ewell's has, has, he's, he's played tight at eight for England as well, hasn't he? I I will just mention as well. So, Henry Slade, um, I thought, looked class. Some of his, he didn't do that much with ball in hand going with him running, but some of his handling, a couple of the wide passes and a couple of the just the little deft touches were really, really classy touches. So, that, I mean, that is. From Exeter to go and do that—a five, 5 points to nil league points win away at Sale—that is a hell of a point, a hell of a performance, and it's a very important statement for the rest of the uh, the season, and on and an ominous statement for the rest yeah, of the season. Yeah, And
2: when you, when you look at Exeter and and Bath particularly, and something we've seen well, go back to the World Cup final that you the scrum is still a massive part, and we we talked about how long scrum resets take, but the scrum is still a massive, massive part of the game and. That's a little problem Sale have got to solve as well, but it's an area of massive strength for Exeter. They are, mm. they are nails yeah. at scrum
1: time. How uh, uh, Sale have found themselves struggling with the scrum is beyond me. Particularly yeah. when you've
3: just added in nearly 20 stone of Lude Diaga into the mix.
1: He yeah. doesn't look like a scrimmager, does he?
3: But he's, he's, he's just shy of 20
2: stone. He's, he's... he's enormous. Do
1: you know anything about this Weiss guy? He's coming in.
2: Cobus Visa. He's, uh, He's kind of that back five of the scrum. You, you could plug him it, in at six or eight, but he'll do a job at lock.
1: I, 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 someone's going to get upset at me for saying this. Do we need to investigate the South African schoolboy system for the size of players that they are pumping out? Because it's not just that, <laughs> is it? I mean, look at the extra back row. It's obscene. These aren't real men.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I mean,
1: they are real men. I mean, they're, they're too much real man.
3: Yeah, they're too much man. <laughs> too much of all the manly-manliness I mean, stuff.
1: <laughs> hardly an English back row in the entire league that matches up to any of these boys. I mean, there's loads of sevens. There's, there's Times listed 20 of them. But where are these six-shape players which South Africa just have in abundance? I no. mean, second. The,
3: the, the, the only... I'm just trying to think. The only young English lad who is of the size of some of those South Africans that we've mentioned would be someone like Don Brandt. Mm. The, the other young English ones, uh, maybe the Willis boys, uh, they're, they're not quite as thick set because they're no. a bit more athletic.
2: Ted, Hill, Ted Hill's still young and will get bigger, but he's, he's, he's a bit of a unit. He, he's a big boy. But again,
3: he's, he's athletic with it as well. He's not quite as thick set
1: as these um, South African
2: boys. Don Brandt, Brandt is the comparison. He's 19, 19 stone.
1: Yeah, but the is just the power output on on the, on the boys. I mean, uh, and by the way, these these aren't Springboks. These are not regular Springboks. There are other guys out there who are bigger, and they are Springboks. And the well, whole, whole extra back row, Vimoulin, Um Well, there's the, there's Zimbabwe, but yes,
2: point taken. Yeah. You you as well, Vemulen is uh, South African. Armand.
1: Armand. Yeah. yeah. Kirsten. Oh my word! Exactly. Exactly.
3: But the, the young English boys. The back rows, who are incredibly talented, and there's a lot of them, most of them are a bit smaller, a bit more explosive. So I'm thinking Ben Earl, Sam Simmons, Underhill, Tom Curry, Ben Curry.
1: Ludlam. Yeah, all of those. How big was Lawrence Delalio in his prime? I'll tell you in a second. Six, four, and... I always think of DeLalio as an absolute colossus. Is that how you think of him?
2: Oh yeah, I know I, the way I always picture Delaglio when, uh, whenever I think about him is carrying those four Welshmen over the try line <laughs> <laughs> on that one try he scored.
1: Like but a legit superhero.
2: Yeah.
1: And I've got this horrible feeling that if, well, thankfully it isn't the case. But if you compared him to, to today's players, we go, oh yeah, he's kind of a bit smaller than um, Sam Simmons or something like that.
3: The difference I have in my head with Delalio, so I know he's big, he, he, he is six foot four, um so he's very tall, but he was more um athletic in terms of he had the wide shoulders, but quite a narrow waist, but then wide thighs. Whereas these these South Africans and these the um the Exeter boys in particular, they don't have the narrow waist. They've got the wide shoulders, the wide waist with a wide rump, the, all the power coming through that rump. Yeah. Um, so uh Delalio was uh 112 kg. Six,
2: seven, oh, four, 17 stone.
3: Seven, 17 stone nine he's listed oh. as. That's big. It's, it's still... It, there are much
1: bigger players, but he's still pretty big.
3: Hmm.
1: There we go. We'll put that one to bed. If someone wants to go and investigate South African school system, please feel free. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, let me I tell, tell you, we'll just very briefly break from the, the, the matches. Yeah, the... Well, and, and sticking with South Africa, the Prime Minister got involved in uh, the Gallagher Premiership. I wasn't expecting that. Prime Minister of South Africa saying, right, we need ne- an explanation on why the South African players weren't kneeling in the uh, little moment of unity or whatever the, the word for it is. The
1: yeah, matches. I, yeah, look, we don't. I, I think the Prime Minister of South Africa has got far greater problems to worry about. If you uh, pay any attention to South African politics, this is the least of his worries. So uh, I'm not bothered what he thinks about the Premiership, quite, uh, quite frankly. 100%.
2: Yeah, totally agree. He needs uh, and to worry
3: about other stuff.
2: Can we let these adults be adults? One of the things I love about rugby, and Clive Woodward always used to talk about this during the, uh, when he talked about the 2003 World Cup, the players always said they could have their wives over, they could go out for a drink in the hotel bar if they wanted to, as long as they turned up, did what they were meant to do training-wise, played how they were judged on how they played, they were treated like adults, whereas you hear about Italian football sides going to a football World Cup and there's a sex ban, and there's a, all the rest of it. They, they get mollycoddled like kids. Can we just let these professional athletes be... Just treat them like bloody adults. We don't have to have a post-mortem on every time they break wind. But,
1: but, but Tim, they're heroes and role models. Anyway, yeah. uh, more games. Well, have we done all the games? No. Um, no, oh, I, but- and also
2: I was going to say J.P. Doyle uh, was part of the RFU, yeah. the RFU oh,
1: cuts. Let's absolutely talk about this. Um, I, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting this. Were you expecting it? Definitely not. Definitely not.
3: JP Doe is one of my favourite referees. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and if you'd have brilliant. said
2: there had to be a referee cut, I wouldn't have predicted it would have been JP.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't like to say who would be, but JP Doe would be very well, low down on my list.
1: Hang on a second. Hang on a second, right? If there had to be a referee cut, there, it categorically, does not need to be a referee cut. <laughs> I mean, the referees, the Premiership referees in particular, are world class. there's, I mean, they get things wrong. We have a go at them occasionally, but they're world class, and they're not accidentally world class. They're world class because what they do takes dedication, time, and more than just a little more than just a little skill, and it's not as easy. As memorising the law book, it's memorising the law book, knowing when to blow the whistle, but more importantly, when not to blow the whistle. Mm. So what the uh have done here, led by you know the incomparably terrible Bill Sweeney, um, is it, it's basically like vandalism. It's getting rid of knowledge you simply can't replace. There might be five people on the planet with J.P. Doyle's knowledge. I mean, literally. Uh, the, he's meant to be the custodian of the game, as I keep on saying. And to have a guy like J.P. Doyle walk out the door without any kind of formal handover or you know, taking advantage of, of all of that investment that you've put into, into him, but more importantly, he's put into the game, it is vandalism. It's absolute vandalism. And if, you know, if this guy couldn't have fallen any lower in my estimations, well, somehow he just did. He just did. <laughs> it's astonishing. He, should, uh, you know, he can make the cuts. Maybe he's the right guy to make the cuts, but he's also the right guy to put his hand up and say, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not the correct person to lead the RFU. I'll, I'll it. I have messed up so badly. But instead, he's prancing around doing his own pet projects, sending out emails to staff which have got nothing to do with their jobs. Um, and frankly, uh, yeah, just more vandalism from the RFU. Maybe 2021.
2: Yeah. Mm. See, if we'd heard um, there are this many spots somewhere we're having a change and this this referee's out and this one's in well that's that's fine that yep. that's not that that Where the world? I don't understand i can't imagine referees are that big of a of a part of of the funding but they're such an important part and and if if there was one area of rugby which has a a massive massive effect and relatively small cost I would think it would be referees. And everyone's been talking for years about investing more in referees to make the game better, safer, a better product.
1: I mean, J- JP is, uh, uh, is Irish. I sincerely hope he goes over to Ireland.
2: Yeah, get Pro 14. Should science yeah. snap him up.
1: Absolutely. He's an absolute asset.
2: Uh, Bath are apparently still circling around Andre Pollard mm, uh, sounds... he's, he's at Montpellier on a million a year he's, he's the highest paid rugby player on earth
1: mm, interesting uh, yeah how would they intend to put this, put this deal together I wonder
3: <laughs> um, lots of farm South African farmland. it's I mean he's a, he's a hell of a player World Cup winner if you can bring him to the premiership brilliant I'd love to see him I'm not sure how the economics of it work when you've got... If you do have to have one player on 5 million and then your remaining 30-odd... Sorry, one player on 1 million and your remaining 30-odd players are, are going to make up the whole of the rest of the 5.6 million. Yeah. That doesn't... It doesn't
2: sound like it's going to lead to a happy squad. Mm. It doesn't. Oh, Bath have got lots and lots of their building blocks in place, though. Maybe fly half is an area that long-term they need to... They need to address they've been looking for a long time but they've got not just have they got some real solid fundamentals with a gnarly horrible pack yeah,
1: uh, but, but i'll tell you who is a great signing for them. i don't know how much he's on or if they've ever paid for him or whatnot i think will stewart is a cracking player
2: yeah it's a great signing
1: yeah he really but- is
3: that that front row that front row mm. is looking brilliant i mean boise uh, a few years ago, when he got uh, a 20-year-old at Harlequins, when he got called into the um, England squad, there was a lot of raised eyebrows. Uh, and it's only re- recently, really, I've started to see kind of the potential in him. But he's class. Tom Dunn, I've already mentioned. I really, really rate Tom Dunn. Um, I think he, we're a different international team. He'd be push- pushing for the number one spot. Um, unfortunately, he's got uh, Jamie George and Luke cameron ahead of him
2: we'll Ben Obano Urba- coming off the bench as well.
3: Obbano's yeah, class, uh, Christian Judge, um, former Saracen. Henry Thomas, class. if he
2: ever gets fit, he's still knocking around. And Jack Walker as well, the hooker. Yeah, was... he's really uh, he's a he's a prospect. They're they're looking pretty ominously good. They're very Exeter esque, which mm. is a, a, the highest compliment I can pay to them. But they've got some they've got some firepower behind when they do let rip as well. Rory, well, Rory McConaughey looked awesome. Yeah,
1: great game, didn't he? Yeah. Great game. Um, you were at this game, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought Ben. Well, hang on. Before I say I thought Ben Spence looked great, everyone wearing blue and white basically looked great, <laughs> except for Rocker Dagoon, who only scored seven points in fantasy rugby. But we won't hold that against him <laughs> um, <laughs> when I lose my two points. Um, yeah, well, you tell me what you, th- you, you, you. You, first and foremost, Tim, tell me what you thought about it, because you were there.
2: Well, I, th- I think we should just talk, talk about Leicester because it's hard to judge Bath on that performance over the course. Over the two games we've seen of them, they look pretty good and they're getting better. And with Neil Hatley and Stuart Hooper uh, at the helm, they look like they're, they're moving in a direction. And as sceptical as a lot of people were about Stuart Hooper, it appears he, he might well be building something of substance there. Lots of people are quite critical. I think probably yourself yeah, I... as well. But what, you have been consistently critical of Leicester and you're not alone in that, JB.
1: So this is very, right, one phrase which really um, riled me up is we'll learn a lot. Really, you'll learn a lot. Because before this game, if I looked at these two teams, I would look at these two teams and I'd read the names, i go man for man, i go, okay, what we're about to learn is that this team will concede exactly as many points as Bath decide to let them concede, right? That is basically it. Bath are going to do whatever they want. And that's exactly what we learned. We, we didn't learn a single thing about any of these players. And it really annoys me. Now, thankfully, I've used up most of my wrath, uh, wrath on, um, on, on, uh, on on Bill Sweeney. But fundamentally, I don't think it's fair on the fans. And I don't think it's fair on the players what they did here. Because this is Leicester Tigers. It is one of rugby's great institutions, if not the greatest institution. Uh, and this is a real game and this real game will go in the history books and it will show Lester Tigers were absolutely horrific. And I think that if you are a, a coach coming into Lester Tigers, you at least have to acknowledge your history and you at least have to try and win. I mean, that's the minimum requirement, isn't it? To try and win and try and get some pride back, in, back into the most prideful shirt in the entire country. And then it's not fair on the, the players, because I'm telling you now, if you look at these players, there'll be a good handful of players here who will have done fine. In fact, they might have come on and had a debut in a proper Leicester Tigers team, and would look at them and say, do you know what? That is one hell of a player. He's going to go far. But if you put them all together, it's just simply not, simply not fair. And not only have they put them all together, they've done put people out of position. You've got a, a, a scrum half playing on the wing, you've got a six. Play, sorry, a second row playing it, uh, playing in the back row. You have got Zach Henry, who's arrived with much fanfare. He was a ten playing at fifteen. Didn't d- didn't have a good game. But there again, how would he have a good game?
3: He looked good and, when he moved to ten. He, yeah, yeah, he did look good when he went to ten. Well, that's exactly
1: my point. That's yeah,
3: exactly it, it, my proved, point. it that does prove your point. Yeah, um, so, I, I, I find it I find it weird that Leicester have structured their team the way round that they have structured it, as in. They played what was close to a first team last week in what for Leicester is basically an unwinnable game, Exeter away, and then played the Concussion Boys, the Academy, at home against Bath in what should be a must-win game. It's like if if I don't I don't get how they how Borthwick came to the conclusion that that, that was the right way round to play his team.
2: Leicester are looking at this and they're, they're clearly focusing on the European Challenge Cup quarterfinal uh, and, and looking to get ready for that. But so are Saracens getting ready for their quarterfinal and that's their sole focus as well. But the, the difference with, with Saracens, Saracens did exactly what you're describing. They had a, a skeleton of a first team, enough big names to hold things together and then sprinkled in a few youngsters like the, the Lucid prop Crean for Saracens. Yeah. It looked awesome. Sean Crean, that run.
1: In the first half, Sean Crean might look re- might look really good if you put him in next to uh, Jamie George and put Maro behind him, and then he looks around. Oh, okay, so that's a standard. That's where I should be. And all of a sudden, you're playing to that standard. He might look terrible playing for Leicester. So I just I, I worry about the damage done to these uh, uh, to these lads to these lads' careers. Got- what
2: what I would say uh, is Leicester have have let a lot of players go, and they have got. You've got to remember. They've got a lot of very good players still yet to put on a jersey, and a lot of them not even in the country at this point. And when they are in the country, they'll have to quarantine. So we're probably not going to see them until the real, realistically, in in full force. We're not going to see them till the start of the, the new season. But think you've got uh, Nandolo, you've got Van Vyke, Muri Murimurivalu, Maroni, Kyle Brink, uh, Visa, six players right there added to. Uh, the, the England players they have got, none of which were on show. Uh, you've got the makings of a decent team.
3: Yes, yeah, but it's how it, it's how you gel them all together totally. in a team that is. I, I, I said said it before. Like losing breeds losing. The the damage to confidence breeds further damage to con, uh, confidence.
1: Was it the film Field of Dreams where they said something like, "They lose because of the stripes on the Yankees uniforms" or something like that?
3: Right. I've never seen it, but I've I've heard something similar. They're, they're beat them when they see the stripes on the Yankee's uniforms, something exactly. like that. Uh,
1: now not to be unkind to Worcester, right? But that's effectively what we've got here. It's like a Worcester situation, which is, you know, Worcester have some good uh, some good players, some, some good names. You put them in the Worcester shirt and they just don't look that you know, there's something about the institution of Worcester that isn't frightening. And Leicester had that for many, many years, and they have just thrown it away. They have just tossed it off for, for no reason. You know, they are—you know—the the rebuild. Uh, it's not just the players; it is—it's the mentality, and that's what's so disappointing. This is going to be Steve Borthwick, the great redeemer.
2: Well, one okay. thing I will say—I'm I'm not trying—I'm not defending anything. I'm just I, there's a lot. Of, I've pointed out the players that are still to come in. I also would say the both the two games whilst they. They've never looked like winning either. They have looked very well, relatively good in the last quarter of games, which suggests that the the South African conditioning guru that they brought in could well be doing some good work.
3: Yeah, yeah, the Welsh South African conditioning guru. Yes,
2: the Welsh South African conditioning guru.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just going on to the the Saracens game because we mentioned them before. Oh, sorry,
1: sorry, Phil. I've just remembered my thing. Okay. my thing this this Leicester team contained Luke Wallace Luke Wallace has something like a hundred and something premiership appearances the, av- the average across the entire team when you excluded Luke Wallace is something like 10 appearances each
2: yeah the back line um the back line between them had 28 premiership starts prior to the game <laughs> the entire back line
3: yeah uh. I've said it. I can't understand the mentality of picking that team and that that team at that time as well. But
1: that's where we are. Yeah, I mean, if someone wants to give me, D. Orthwick's money, or or Jordan Murphy's, or Jordan Murphy, or Mike Ford's, or Mike Ford's, um, I I would I would do a better job than this. I would, <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I don't care how technical or how gifted that I would do a better job than that. Um, so. Saracens, uh, so, Quintons. Uh, talking of jobs, I couldn't do better.
3: Saracens, Saracens. <laughs> yeah, fancy taking on Martin McCall's role. Thank you. <laughs> um, I don't want to talk about this game in, in too much depth. Just a couple of things to mention, because Tim's already mentioned Sean Crean's run. The the 20, he's only 20, loose head prop, who, who you slot him alongside Jamie George and Vincent Koch, and he looks brilliant. Um, anyway, so the, the two things I want to mention is... Lesique when he came on and actually gave Quinn some go-forward. So Quinns has started Marchant and Lang in the centres, mm. and he's Lang alongside uh, Marcus Smith um, at, at 10 and 12. Two, two good players, two very good ball players. But with Marchant, who is a, a speed merchant outside, then there's no go-forward. And you put Lesique in there, and he, well, he scored two tries in 20 minutes just by being a direct hard-running centre. Yeah. But that was interesting to see the turnaround that, that he had for them. The, the other thing I'll mention is the performance of Itoji, who played the full 80, who was just magnificent.
1: Was he Tom curry like?
3: Oh, he just got everything right. He was stealing lineouts, he was stealing balls on the floor, he was carrying. And then his the, the match was summed up by the final try, the, the bonus point try for Saracens, for Lewington. Which is I don't know if you've seen this mm-hmm. you too the, yeah, the charge down, but a half charge down. Um uh the fullback uh Boyo,
2: Abato- Abato-
3: Abato- uh, uh, right. o- o- but- uh Boyo, uh, but- boy- uh, I'll I'll get it right one day. Um who kicks, it's half charge down, Etoji is fifty yards downfield and just instantly knows what to do. So He instantly knows it's been touched in flight, therefore, I'm not offside, therefore, I can play it. And he's already running downfield before anyone on the Quinn's team has reacted. That's, that's the athleticism throughout the whole game, and then that speed of thought is why he is, uh, if not the best lock in the world, he's top few. Well, he's simply one of the best players in the world, regardless of position. Yeah, Imagine- incredible.
1: Imagine how big he'd be, and how athletic he'd be, if he went to a South African uh, pri- pri- uh, private school for education. <laughs> <South African. laughs>
2: Imagine. <laughs> he he uh, went to yeah, I mean that, that was a frightening prospect. He went to some, uh, he went to some quite exclusive uh, English schools.
1: I don't know if they, I don't know if the Haro conditioning, uh, <laughs> the Harrow conditioning, is quite up to uh, whatever they're doing down. Down south, anyway.
3: Um, the supplement regime, of yeah. The Saracens, uh, the South African schools,
1: yeah. Uh, the supplement regime in Harrow of a, uh, you know, a fondant for afternoon tea. It's just not cutting it. Tim.
2: <laughs> did, you catch, <laughs> did you catch any of the Pro 4 team on its return?
3: Uh, my, both mine and JB's beloved teams, Beloved oh, okay. Benetton and Beloved Ulster, lost,
2: yeah. Belo- uh, beloved uh, Benetton lost to Zebrae, uh, Ulster, r- really, really. Uh, entertaining match that one against Connacht the Kieran Marmion try the little I, I don't know who it was who did the little
1: I, I, love, I love a kick pass
2: The mm. kick Hang pass is, is, is a thing of beauty did
1: as you... in a pass ah, so or kind of they fly hack it forward or something no no they, they,
2: in... they do a very <laughs> deliberate they do a very deliberate <laughs> kick to, pat, to get the ball to one of their teammates whether that's look, a whether that's look. a long crossfield kick or whether that's in this as was in this case a little nudge
3: yeah I like pl- it there were two interesting kick passes or kick um, bits of skill this weekend. One was the Sheedy little grubber through, um, which just looked like there was nothing on. And he just read the situation, little grubber through. And I can't remember who was running on. It might have been Lee, who was running onto it. The The other one, did you see the Cipriani kick directly off a Joe Simpson pass? Yes, I no, did. I didn't see that. What happened? What, other, other than what you said, he just volleyed it. Basically, Simpson Simpson picks up, looks left, and there's no options. So he kind of turns round and sees Cipriani to his right, but he turns all the way round, like a 360 or, or 180 spin, passes it, and it's a, it's a poor pass because he's about to get nailed. And it's about knee-high, a yard and a half in front of Cipriani. And he just, like... Gently cushions it and dinks it over the top, and it, it doesn't actually work out perfectly because I think it's I think it might be Leo again, uh, is under it. But had he not been in position, um, I think it was Johnny May was or we were both running onto it, so it was it was very quick thinking and it almost worked out perfectly, but
1: just didn't quite. But it was a very unusual little bit of skill. Yeah, just on kick passes. has anyone have any preference to what type of kick pass that they most like? Hmm. I, 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 the which I find most satisfying are like the ones, the little dink over the centres for your on-rushing centres, because you've got to put it straight that in that exact spot where the fullback isn't.
3: I yeah. I, I, quite, I quite like the um, the cross field for the big winger. So like um, the first Hurricanes, particularly when Borden Barrett was playing ten, did it a lot targeting well, uh, Surveyor or Geordie Barrett or Ben Lamb, like one of those big wingers on the wing. Um, and Exeter did it this weekend. It didn't result in a try, but they, um, they targeted Cuthbert, who's obviously a very tall bloke, and, and Simmons actually hit him, but he was tackled short of the line. Mm. I quite like that, that like drilled low cross-field kick that only goes kind of five yards in front of the gain line.
1: Yeah, well, the... Um... The, the ones which stuck in my mind were... Danny Kerr's done it, Ruin and Pienaar has, but the cross kick from Scrum Half. Uh,
3: yeah. Kerr's done that to uh, Tim Visser. Okay.
2: Oh, he used to... Yeah, that, that little combo was uh, deadly, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Pinar to whoever's on the wing for Ulster. Yeah.
2: Cool. Stockers that be... gets, gets on the end of quite a few of them, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, there's a, a big winger to finish. He's pretty
1: handy. So, a few years ago, when... Um, who was the second row now he got kicked out of tigers and nobody really knows why what's his name don Barrow. don Barrow. Hmm. Yeah. so a few years ago leicester tigers uh start the downfall uh really it's still during cockers and it's an iron major idea they started lining up their uh second rows on the wing for crossfield kicks when they were in the opposition five-meter. Um, five Meanwhile, of course, Exeter Chiefs are doing the sensible thing, within five meters and getting their second rows to carry. But you know, <laughs> it was an, an interesting prospect. Yeah, that's a good point. What's the opportunity cost there, Johnny May carrying?
3: <laughs> Johnny May does the hard yards down the middle, <laughs> and Lavanini is stood on the wing. Yeah.
1: Let's just wait for Johnny May to get us into striking distance and we'll kick it to Don Barrow.
3: <laughs> well, we all know Johnny May can pack down at six pretty <laughs> nicely.
2: Uh, yeah. Don Barrow, by the way, uh, retired, age 26, to go and work. He's now working you know what he does? In, a, in a firm installing electric Elect- vehicle charging points. That's
3: exactly right. Oh, yeah, because I, I, I um, had a chat with one of his um, salesmen recently or yeah. one of his executive salesmen. Um, Tom Brady. Oh,
2: he's That's the managing director.
1: Yeah, it's his business. Mm. So if you want a car charging point for your, electric, for your EV, for your electric vehicle, get, get in touch with Don Barrow, ASAP. An exa- with- An- another example of what I was talking about, rugby players always do well. Or better mm. still, get in touch with Tom Brady because then you'll get, get some commission. Commission, uh,
3: yeah. Tom, Tom Brady knows his stuff after yeah. chatting to me for a bit.
1: Yeah. Of course, there you go. The log, La- the Logan uh, Quality Guarantee Seal, right?
2: <laughs> 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 like that. El- elsewhere in the Pro 14, um, Munster were edged out by Leinster. Really good game that one as well. What one point in it? Um, yeah, yeah. But both both teams look look good.
1: I have to apologise because um, after a whole every literally watching every single Premiership game, including the one we didn't talk about, Northampton uh, London Irish. Um, I just couldn't watch any more rugby. I was rugbyed out. I, I,
3: I was something similar as well. I've not. I've seen the scorelines from the Pro Four team, but I've not actually watched any of it.
1: Yeah, they could have. They could have had semi rad uh, radrada in all thirty shirts, and I don't think I'd be interested. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was. Uh, it, it was good. It was good. The the Munster Leinster game.
3: I will just say we just mentioned it there. The London Irish Northampton game was not a great game. The first half was pretty awful. Um Northampton ground out through um a couple of penalty tries and wear, really wearing London Irish down, they ground out a bonus point win, which which will be important. But London Irish they've not sorry, Northampton have not um I was expecting them to really kick on and in the the nicer conditions um, They've been playing some really nice rugby. They, they don't seem to have yet. They've not quite been where I expected
2: them to be.
1: Yeah, I thought um, Northampton's backup prop, Danny Hobbs.
2: Awiyemi. His second, second spell with the club, he was at London
1: Irish. Yeah, I thought he had a, he had a tremendous impact. Tremendous. And they
3: scrummed very well, particularly towards the end of that game.
1: Yeah, Painter's a very good scrumager. Has he been called up by England yet, Painter?
0: I,
3: I, I want to say he might have been called up for the wider squad for the
1: Six Nations this year.
3: He's so I, might, 6'4 I might be wrong with
1: that. And 130 kilograms. <gasps> Although, I've got a neighbour and went around for a glass of wine the other night in their garden because of the stupid COVID rules. And um, he described himself as six foot two and 210 kilograms, which is an enormous.
3: Two hundred two hundred and ten kilograms.
1: I, I don't want to. Pay, I don't want to correct him in his own garden. <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> Just uh, j b that that is still um, against Greater Manchester lockdown rules. Well,
1: uh, well, yeah, you, we,
3: you you met in a park.
1: Compliance to all the rules, all right.
3: You met in a park, or maybe it was a car park.
1: We were in a gym having some wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Peters only like 23 21, 20, 21 22 23 something like that. He's he's pretty young.
2: Um I thought He's a big old boy. I
3: thought Ludlum as well had he had a great game, explosive, looked good when he went to number 8. He just I can I still can't work out why he didn't dive for the line when he scored that tri- or didn't score that try.
1: No. I don't know but I'm pretty sure that uh, they call Audi Surveyor the New Zealand uh, <laughs> Uh, Lewis Ludland now.
3: though, there, there are. I saw your tweet on that. There are definite similarities.
1: There are. Uh, they, they they look My. the same, but they play. It's just it's that it's that all action, violence style of going into contact.
3: Yeah, every contact is as fast as you possibly can. Yeah.
1: Elbows everywhere. It just looks uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> very very few positives for London Irish. Uh, Ollie Hassel Collins maybe is one. The He's only a... one. He's yeah. what? Sorry.
1: Uh, he, uh, he is a bit good. He did good,
3: he, he blew a try scoring. So tra- he did look good, but didn't he blow a try scoring chance in the first ten minutes? He had a, a two on one and passed to no one.
1: Yeah, was a but besides
3: besides that, he he did look good.
2: He and looks uh, really good, and what it was pointed out on Twitter. Um, I I don't know. I, I saw it from. Uh, our mate Steve Parrott I don't know who actually I can't credit the person who did it but they said that um are in the uh, opposite him for Northampton was Tom Collins so Ollie Hassel Collins was both his actual name and the description of his job
1: ah very Collins <laughs> <fair. laughs> good 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 <laughs> um, there's very little else to say about this game I think
2: yeah I agree London Irish got some issues yes uh, thanks well they'll just be glad that uh, Saracens are already relegated
1: yeah completely yes.
3: and that Leicester are terrible
1: I don't know how London Irish stay up next year even I mean they've not got many new signings they haven't shown any cohesion or signs that they're going to improve that much I mean if this is it if this is what they're offering uh, it needs to get better a lot quicker
2: it does um, can I just share with you I've just received a WhatsApp message from my wife and um she knows me so well, and I'm, I'm, very, I'm genuinely really excited about this, and I know you will be too, although I think, JB, you'll have already seen this. Um, but I, I didn't sign up for YouTube Red or whatever it was. Red Cheap? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it was YouTube Red. It's the, it's the subscription to YouTube where you get all their original content and ad-free yeah, and everything um, else. YouTube Premium. YouTube Premium is that what it's called? Initially, they called it YouTube Red, Red, but it did sound like a <laughs> yeah. a specialist video site. Anyway, uh, but there was there was an original program on that which has just arrived on Netflix. Finally, after you all know, this time, it, C- Cobra Kai,
1: mate. Genuinely, genuinely, it is brilliant. I
2: can't wait it? to watch it. I'm so excited.
1: That reason that I signed up for it's it's somehow right true to the original the acting's fairly good and it's sort of like naff enough to it's got everything it's got everything you'll really really enjoy it
2: yeah it's this this is um decades after karate kid the tournament that he won in uh against johnny and the cobra kai in the classic movie um well yeah it's um their lives have changed, but the rivalry lives on. And uh, I cannot wait. I'm so excited to watch it. it. So, sorry to break from the rugby, but I thought you'd appreciate that, JB.
1: You're also really conflicted as to who the bad guy is. There is no obvious bad guy. Because I'm not going to go any uh, any further. I only got like three three episodes in before I couldn't watch any more on, on YouTube. But yeah, there's no obvious bad guy. It's really intriguing. Um, more intriguing, though, far more intriguing, is... Yeah, the story is kind of like about you know some people that were successful and then other people that you know you're kind of thinking, well, why are they not so successful? Um, what what have they been? What have they been doing? But actually, the real story of these actors is far more compelling because what have they been doing? I mean, they mustn't be able to believe their luck that Cobra Kai has been made by YouTube.
3: <laughs>
1: so it's the original actors. It is um, the whoever it is. Who played... Ralph
2: Macchio, who is yeah. Daniel LaRusso. It's him, age like 40,
1: with a family. Yeah, and the bad Johnny, guy is... Johnny
2: from the Cobra Kai,
1: isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and he's the original... Ba- and like, a lot of the people are original. So, presumably, they've gone around, like, garages and building sites in LA to get these people back into acting. They, may- they must have had to pay him an awful lot because I imagine the conversation was like, yeah, I don't act anymore. I, I-, I don't talk about that. I-, I don't talk about Cobra Kai. But now they've had to do it. So but it's hit. on
2: Netflix, so I can actually watch it. Get in. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, with that little interlude, let's focus on the midweek matches that are coming up.
1: Yeah. games.
2: So what have uh, we got? Um, Tuesday. Tuesday. T- two games on Tuesday. Wasp right.
1: sale. Oh. Right, hang on. Wait, stop. Right, okay. So let's do each, t- each team in turn a little, a little game. And the game is stick or Twist. So, okay. well, as we go into the game I want you to stick if you think they rotate or twist if they don't and rotate okay. has to what six six new players a okay. majority a
2: majority
3: of new players a
1: majority of new players so eight eight
3: new players that would make it then
1: okay so wasps they will twist twist against sale who I believe twist will stick. I,
2: yeah. oh you think they're going to stick I think I think
3: they have to twist I know they can't making- keep chasing the win with the same team. They've got to. Tr- they've got to trust the the squad.
1: By the way, in terms of rotation, front rows are difficult, aren't they? Because mostly front rows will do half a game each, just because or you're not fifty mean- minutes. Which
2: which they can do. Let's not forget because you can play fifty minute. You can start two games and be, start on the bench, in the other play sixty, sixty and twenty, and that's fine.
1: Yeah, you could play 60-60-40. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of points out the farcical nature of the rules, right? Because if Premiership Rugby is so ferocious, you can't do more than 60 minutes a game, or 50, <laughs> 50 minutes a game, you're using the same front row, just in, rever- in reverse, every single game.
3: Yeah, and, and a front row, row playing 30 minutes is significantly more um, taxing than a scrum half playing 80 minutes, for example. Yeah.
1: So um, yeah, so wasp will twist. Sale, I think, will stick. Except, <gasps> I, I reckon we'll see Yanzi van Rensburg and a couple of others. But I think majority of it will be the same. And I think Sale win.
3: I I think Sale will win as well. I think they I think they'll
2: twist, and I think Sale will win. Um, I think Sail, I, I think if Sale twist, which I agree, I think they have to. Yeah. Then I then I think Sale will lose because they'll be up against the Wasps, first choice side.
1: Ooh, okay. So Bristol Bears versus Exeter. So Bristol will be both twist, twist and twist. Agreed. Agreed. Uh,
3: well, Bris- Bristol, they did a kind of half twist. They they freshened up some spaces and and like Benel played a full game. Rodrado played both games. Uh, Pietel got rested for this game. Morahan got so they. They were not quite as cut and dry as someone like Sale mm-hmm. who kept everyone and someone like Wasp who changed everyone. So I think they'll do something similar. There'll be a another half twist, um, probably back to their strongest team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's what they do. I don't think they're going to have like an A and a B team like some some of them are doing.
2: I think they'll change the majority. And they might bring back in a couple of uh, the guys that they rested, like... No, actually, I'm not sure. I'm not... T- well, I don't know. Because uh, I, I think, they'll be thi- I'll be, think they'll be thinking if we can go to Sale and get a win there. Particularly if Sale do what you're suggesting, JB, and stick. Then, yeah. Oh, geez, backing up for a fourth game on, on Saturday against Bristol wouldn't... I don't yeah. fancy that.
1: So... Yeah, um, actually, all right. You are right. And with that in mind, I'm going to say they are going to... They are going to twist then because they need to get back to full strength against Bristol.
3: Mm, so you're now saying Sale will twist.
1: Yeah, significant. yeah I, th- I think they have to.
2: And do you think a, a change Sale side can go to Wasp, play their first team and win, play Jack Willis and
1: uh, Jimmy, Jimmy and I mean, the guys that I'm thinking of are Van Rendsburg, who I think is amazing. And then outside of that, uh, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, like we've not seen Luke James and he's very, very good. But again, he's just another—he's another twelve. Um, I don't know how how they're going to lock. Is the answer?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
1: the answer is to that—it's Christ. Maybe this is a loss, actually. Mm. Maybe it's a loss. But you know, actually,
2: Sale's second string. Should are are good good players Will Cliff, AJ McGinty. Sorry, Sam I, Sam James at uh, Rohan Hansi van Rensburg and Sam James has only played one game, so he he can be there. Dele, Denny Solomona on the wing. It's still a tidy team.
1: Yeah, Luke James will be at fullback then, hundred percent. And then he And then uh, Aaron Reed on the wing. Oh, who knows? Who knows? But um, yeah, this is looking more tricky than I thought. Though. Hmm.
2: So so Bristol and Chiefs are both going to twist. I think Bristol will change the majority, maybe keep a few players. I think Exeter will change pretty much their entire 15 maybe save for one or two, but it'll yeah. still, because of the depth of that squad, it'll still look like a very good team. I, you know,
1: I, I agree with that. I agree entirely. with... And I'm going to say that Bristol win this because it just feels to me like Bristol are on one hell of a bounce. Hmm. But then Exeter are as well. But for some reason, I just think this is going to mean more to Bristol Bears. I don't know why. Extra are pretty comfortable at the top and there's a sort of desperation about Bristol. And they've already beaten Exeter once. That's the other thing. Can I just,
2: can I just g- give you a, a, an example of it? And again, by the time you listen to this podcast, maybe the teams are already announced. But anyway, uh, a, a, an example of a totally changed Exeter team would be Alec Hepburn, Jack Yendall, Thomas Francis as a front row. <laughs> Sam Skinner, Dave Dennis, Jack Vermeulen's only played one game. Yannis uh, Kirsten coming back in. Don Armand could be in the back row. Sam Hidalgo, Klein and Gareth Steenson as your halfbacks.
1: Yeah, they're not going to struggle. You've got Jack
2: Knoll, or... Tom O'Flaherty to come back in.
1: Oh yeah, Jack Knoll.
3: Yeah, Devoto can come back in, although he, he, he was mentioned he was
2: injured. Yeah, he's injured. Week. Do you know how long he's out for? Um, you think for from a fancy rugby draft? Because he's on the waiver wire. Don't you worry, I know about him, I'm not telling you. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a higher waiver wire pick than you so I'll be getting him before you do but Jay uh, but anyway I've just, um, just got to
3: mention Fantasy Rugby Draft this week uh, second top scored by 40 points 40 points higher than third uh, and lost to, to Bryn, friend of the pod Bryn Williams
2: the um, only person that got a higher score out of all 10 players
3: yeah. just, I hate it when that happens he scored 158
1: I scored 149.9 oh, so annoying Lockdown has killed my team. Absolutely killed it. I came back into the league with Carl Eastman, Ibertoia, uh, and two other lads who no longer play in the Premiership.
2: Well, if you, if you commissioned the league as you should have done and let everyone know how the, the, the players were available, it wouldn't have been the guy who's probably going to win it getting all of the bloody top players. Hang on. Um,
1: do, do midweek games count? No. No.
3: No oh. midweek games.
1: God. Um... All right, Saracens-Gloucester. Saracens-Will?
3: Uh, uh, twist. They'll, they'll do something similar oh. to Bristol, I think, because they've, they've changed up kind of six or seven, but they still kept a spine like Itoji and Wunderbohler and Jamie George all played both games. Um, so I think they'll change. They might, it might be just as if they might change eight players, but it'll still be a very
1: good team. Why do they bother? I do not know. But they do bother, and I admire them for doing so.
2: Gloucester have to twist.
1: And yeah, yeah, and Gloucester but will lose.
2: And the slide for Gloucester could go on.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Have either of you listened
3: to this week's... Or <laughs> actually, I think it's the last week's Econ Talk about the hot hand.
1: Oh, uh, you mean the Econ Talk, which I'll be hosting the, the, uh, D- the London Discussion Group for by Econ Talk? Uh,
3: I didn't know that, but... Um, the yes, then. If, if have you listened to it, the hot hand?
2: The it hot was... hand that that was described is that that was described. Um, that, that's a basketball term they use a lot, isn't it? Yes. yes. Well, that
1: was the yeah. week. This week's was about higher education.
2: Yeah. So yeah,
3: last week's. Um, no, just I, I only listened to it uh, over the weekend, and I thought it was really really interesting. The the kind of statistical and logical fallacy around. The hot hand, which which I'd never heard the term before, but I don't fallacy. You Suppose don't think that. it's a fallacy, so it will. The, it's, it, it's, the debate is really interesting. The same, there's people, very smart people on both sides of the argument. The, mm. the The analogy that I really liked was the roulette analogy. So, as in, people will look at. So, the, I'll just give you a very listen to the podcast, but a very brief explanation of. Um, the hot hand is like when Steph Curry is shooting threes and he makes five in a row, six in a row, seven in a row, eight in a row, and people are saying he's, he's the hot hand, he's just um, he's on fire tonight, kind of thing. And the the way that they were explaining it and comparing it to roulette was, let's say Steph Curry shooting threes is a 50-50 um, accuracy rate. So it's the same as, broadly speaking, it's the same as hitting red or black on a roulette wheel. And you'll look at a roulette wheel and it's hit, five blacks in a row, six blacks in a row, seven blacks in a row. Does that mean that for that period, it was more likely to hit black? Well, no, obviously each one was still a a total 50-50 and it just happened to go in a row. And that's the same with Steph Curry. If you play enough, if it's it's true 50-50, you play enough, you'll get these streaks of good periods and streaks of bad periods. It doesn't mean that there was anything different at any point in time.
1: That's absolutely nonsense. Um, and so, this... do you
3: believe that the roulette, the the six blacks in a row, it it was more likely to be black during that period?
1: Let me give you a uh, my no, just, just just answer that question. No, 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 no uh, I don't think they're analogous. No, and uh, I, no,
2: no, I I also don't think they're analogous unless the person rolling the ball is trying to get black.
1: Uh... No. No, still not. Okay, so this is this is this is this is where I come down. Okay, the the roulette table is a great example because it is uh, you know purely randomised and that's fine. The Steph Curry situation is not. So if you have a ball of some description and you are told to throw the ball at a target from a certain range or what or or, or whatever it is, you'd want to have a first go and then you'd say actually I want to have a practice go first. So my first go is better. So. And that and that makes complete sense. You know, golf pros often often warm up with 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 a swing, so it makes sense that if Steph Curry hits one, he's effectively found his range. He's a found, uh, you know he's found whatever it is that he needs. So it might still be fifty fifty, uh, but that streak is real, and it's because he has those streaks, which it you know makes the overall numbers fifty fifty. But the hot hand definitely exists.
3: So I, I I tend to agree with with that position, as in. Um, and And more, going back to a point I made earlier in the podcast around um, winning breeds, winning losing breeds, losing, and the confidence thing when you 're in the zone when you 're feeling good you 're more confident, so you 're more likely to be i don 't know playing more naturally which is which is better rather than having the pressure on you so when when you 're winning the pressure's off you so you can be more natural and therefore more successful.
1: Well, it's like playing the trumpet, right? So I, I've, I've, <laughs> I play the trumpet. I, I, and, um,
3: I do like that you're comparing your trumpet playing to Steph Curry, possibly yes. the best all-time three-point shooter in the history of the NBA.
1: Well, so, sometimes you blow a note and it's absolutely perfect and you want to carry on playing that way. And as soon as you stop playing that way, you cannot get get, get that note for the life of it for the life of you and it's same as sport you, you know you've just done something perfectly and you know if you do all the same things again perfectly the outcome will again be perfect because there's nothing more more than a process and that's effectively how how i see it it's same as same as anything which involves skill and that's why it's a little bit disingenuous to say look if you have a randomized event like a roulette table well that's a completely different thing
2: I'll take it on a total tangent with your trumpet yeah. note and say, uh, through lockdown, I, I got into jigsaws and um, sometimes I'd be looking for one particular bit and I just, I, I couldn't do it. And I'd go, do you know what? I'm going to walk away, make myself a cuppa and I'd, I'd come back and see it straight away. <laughs> that doesn't, it's it's nothing, nothing to do with what you're talking about, but with your, your trumpet note, just hitting that one note and then you try to and you can't. Sometimes don't try, yeah. do. That sounds like the sort of thing Yoda would say.
1: Or, sounds like yeah, I was gonna say dreams O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Leicester. Uh, so, London so Irish. we say in
2: Sar- uh both teams will twist a bit Saracens, Gloucester, and Saracens will win. Yes, yes, okay.
1: Uh, now here is a fascinating game one which I'm desperate to watch actually. Leicester, London, Irish, a bit of Schadenfreude. Uh, I, So. Uh,
2: Leicester? Twist, <laughs> 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 Stick? <laughs> no. Um, they'll go full strength.
1: Yeah, consistency is important. Uh, and London Irish?
3: I, th- I think they will twist. Yeah. Um, I, well, they, they might not change everyone, but they will freshen things up a bit in, in some key positions. Uh,
2: I'd, Le- I'd go as far as saying this is... Leicester have to win this game. Yes. They have to win this game. Like, there's nothing riding on it besides pride, but yeah. the, the wheels are coming off the, the Borthwick train if they do not win this game.
1: They really are. Which is ridiculous to say when he's only been in charge for one, two games. But you know. um, Worcester-Harlequins? Worcester? Twist. 100%. It'll, it'll change 14
3: or 15 men. Harlequins? Twist. And, and it'll, be their
2: se- it'll be their second team.
1: So Worcester to win.
2: Yeah Yeah we'll be, I think probably I think yes Quins, Quinns I think Quinns will be Targeting this game though Which
3: is interesting right. mm. I think
2: they'll... Quinns are too far off Top four to If they'd have won that game They're now what Ten points
1: Well they were Or weren't they Until this weekend They're nine what? Nine
3: points off nine, nine points off Nine points off
1: But they They'll want
3: They'll want top six though Yeah Well be it They are eight points off Top six
2: <laughs> Uh, gonna, it, look, it looks like top eight's gonna get Champions Cup now. Oh really? It hasn't been confirmed, but that's the word. Yeah.
1: Okay. And Harlequins will lose this. Give me Worcester. Hmm.
2: I, ten, I think I agree.
3: Yeah. Uh, I, I do, but I'm fascinated to see what team Harlequins put out because I, I don't. They can't do a full twist, but I think they'll they'll maybe they'll do a half twist. Um, yeah. Keep, I think they'll keep. Um, definitely, Marcus Smith. I think we'll will be playing. I think Don Brandt will be playing. I think Marler will be playing. But some of their key guys will play.
1: Well, the, yeah. the last game of the weekend, and one which the I the midweek, yeah, of the midweek, sorry, and one which I think is an absolute firecracker. Actually, I'm going to tell you who is legitimately up for top four: Bath, and Northampton, right next to each other in uh, uh, in the table at fifth and sixth. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. Mm.
2: A couple of weeks back when we talked with when we did the preview of the restart, this was the game I picked out as as one of the big moments in yeah. this sprint for the line. And I think it's huge.
1: One of these teams, I, I mean, I really want it to be Northampton, but I do quite like Bath. Mm. Bath the and only, your... the,
2: well, not an issue, but uh, Northampton have already changed quite a few so they can rotate some big guns back in bath have kept a settled team they were one of the sides that like exeter like sale kept everything pretty much the same mm-hmm. so i, I
1: expect wholesale changes from bath and it does raise a question doesn't it what would bath i mean yes they've got the mm. so here's an interesting one for you if you're bath and you you know you've got less to say those five points are guaranteed if you put your team out. So do you put it out, knowing that if you've got Exeter, maybe on the weekend, that you just put your second team out against Exeter. Well, so what...
2: if if Bath knew that the Leicester team, the team Leicester were going to put out, I don't think they play the same, the same Bath team.
3: I would probably agree, particularly given the two games that Bath have got coming up this week, which are far more important and that they're kind of six pointers. 10-pointers, however you want to describe them, because they're playing Northampton on Wednesday and then Wasps on
1: next Monday as the their weekend fixture. Yeah, ah, Is that where it is? I was looking for the weekend fixture.
2: Albeit, I, I mean, I did just say, I think Bath will make loads of changes. I did say earlier in the podcast that, you know, Bath will be relatively fresh after that because... <laughs> it was a training game. It felt a bit like a training game at times, like Josh Matavesi run... <laughs> I I love that run. He looked like he enjoyed that run, uh, that dummy (laughs) and run. Massive grin on his face. Thomas Lavanini. Not sure what what he was doing, but
1: tell you what, that's a lot of money to pay a man to play in that team, isn't it?
2: Who Lavanini?
1: Yeah, yeah. Serious cash, and he'd be thinking, "What have I signed up for? (laughs) Who are these kids?" Yeah, looking looking through his uh, contract now. Going, Where's the Manu clause? <laughs> well, it's, it's,
2: I, th- I think more's the more's the point. Thomas lavalini w- w- I don't know what he's getting. I assume it's a, a pretty hefty wedge, but he's not. He, he doesn't. You'd expect more from him, even in a team. You'd expect in a team that's really young and not doing very well. You'd imagine he, as an international star, would would pull the players around him up to his level a little bit. But only
1: you hmm. mentioned. So I had thoughts about second rows as I often do uh, about Gloucester second rows. Now Gloucester second rows aren't quite the same because Grobler is excellent and Mossop might be the best, one of the best in the world. But actually, for Gloucester's needs, Garvey is really, really good. Like he plays to the absolute limit of his potential all the time. he, he he's a great signing. And I look at Lavanini and I think, is this guy a little bit of a show pony? Does he need? a load of guys around him to do the hard work so he can go out fighting and, you know, do the occasional ball carrier or, you know, whatever it is. Because you're right, Tim, he isn't putting in a good basis. You know, second rows are the basis of, of your team, hitting rucks and doing all sorts of horrible work. He doesn't seem to do that.
3: Mm. I mean, no one did anything in this game. So maybe this is not the best. This week's game was not the best one to judge any of the Leicester paid players.
1: Him. But they paid him to do it.
3: They paid him a lot of money to do it as well.
2: Earn your money. Uh, I, I'd, I'd hope that he, I'd hope he'd get a bit closer to Matavesi. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whatever he's being paid and whoever the opposition and whatever the game. Oh, that was a big, big dummy that. Yeah.
1: That I, was... must been, he, I mean, look at, look at the boy, he's built for speed. <laughs> what was Lavanini to do?
2: <laughs> I can't believe you, uh, you dropped Matavesi from your fantasy rugby team and Neither and much. picked up Juan Pablo Cicino instead. I, d- I didn't get him. Yeah, you did.
1: No, I didn't. Uh, someone with a higher waiver wire. Oh, someone him. else got him. Okay. It's a shame. Mm. I really wanted him. Hmm. That was a good pickup. Anyway, people don't need to know about that. Um, I am going to say, I feel that Bath have got the slight edge in personnel, but I feel that Northampton have got the slight edge in system and shape and cohesion. And I don't know who's going to win this. Bath
3: are on the hot hand, though.
1: That is true, but they only played Leicester.
3: Yeah, um, like... I, I think I think Northampton will twist to a full strength team. Uh, I think Bath will twist to a half strength team. Therefore, I think Northampton will win.
1: I presume Bath do want to win the Premiership, right? But yeah, they want to get top four. I mean, of all the teams out there, you think Bath are probably the most desperate for it. Yeah,
3: but you have to manage your squad, don't you? And they might say that wasp the Bath at home against Wasps at the weekend might be the uh, more manageable fixture.
2: But again, here's a potential Bath team. I, d- I did this with Bath and Exeter. Benno Abano, Jack Walker, and Christian Judge as your front rows, pretty tidy. Handy. He- Will Spencer and Elliot Stuke at lock. Handy. Tom, okay. uh, like you could have Tom Ellis or Zach. Probably uh, you probably go Tom Ellis at six. Josh Bayliss at seven, Zach Mercer at eight. eight yeah. Pretty good. Uh, Chudders. Chudders, yeah. At nine. I don't know who you put at ten, whether it's Tom de Glanville or Matavesi or whatever. Yeah, ten's
3: uh, probably the one area. since Because Freddie Burns in Japan now, isn't he? Or yeah. Or he's left. On, Andre Pollard would be mine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I don't know if uh, Thokkena Sing is back, but anyway, you've got Redpath... Uh, you have got that Hamer Web chap Tom De Glanville, and you've even got guys that you can bring onto the bench who haven't featured yet, like Nathan Cat, Ross Batty. Mm. Um, so d- they've got a really, really good squad.
1: You know um, that that ten question that you posed, Tim. Maybe, maybe that could that could become Redpath.
3: Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Um, Here's a question, Tim. You were were at the Bath Leicester game, weren't you? Is there any news on Joe Thockner Singer?
2: Uh, Well, I didn't. uh, The the, the guy spoke to Stuart Hooper after the game, I didn't get the chance to, and um, and, and, and I I didn't ask anyone about him. I know he's nearing fitness.
3: Okay, just because I know he had a bad Translation.
1: translation. He's spoken to the doctors about Joe Cockner Singer, he knows all about them and he will not be sharing that kind of information with you.
3: For well, fantasy Ruby draft purposes. Exactly. I, 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 um, I think someone's... I don't think he's available. I don't actually know if he's available on our waiver wire, but I'm, I'm more interested in like, no. um, him getting he, back he's, playing.
2: He's, he's close. To he's close. Yeah? How yeah. close to him? Like, I, I, I genuinely don't know, but he's very close.
1: Okay, sure.
3: I'm just going to check if he is on the waiver wire.
1: Anyway, wrap
3: this not. up. He is, he is not he is being held by a certain individual who is very near the top of the league.
2: Yeah. Mm. We will be, we will be back with a midweek domestic podcast. MWDP makes a triumphant return probably on Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Mm.
1: Wednesday, Thursday morning, because we're we're real, we're real good lads. Absolutely.
2: Uh, In the meantime, uh, he's at Beardmore on Twitter. I'm at Cocker. Phil is lurking. He'll let you know when he wants to by sliding into your DMs. We're at Rugby Podcast and hit subscribe so you get every episode, including the MWDP, coming your way very soon. And let the boys play.
1: Let the boys play.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.